It's a little-known fact that Cheerscast is a proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Listen, I never want to speak to you again as long as I live. Goodbye! But who's that? There was a man who has a nerve to call himself my father. You'd have to have nerve to admit that. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of Cheerscast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm your host, Ryan Daly, and once again, returning guest and podcaster Gene Hendricks is here. How's it going, Gene? Oh, it's going great, Ryan, and uh, thank you very much for having me on to talk about The Man with Nine Lives. I mean, it's one of the more famous episodes of the original Battlestar Galactica, where Fred Astaire comes back as uh, Starbuck's long-lost father. It's just a wonderful episode. <laughs> is that what ha- is that what I asked you to watch? Well, oh no, 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 no. You're right. You're right. We're we're not talking science fiction. We're talking a sitcom, and so obviously we have to be talking about Night Court from Snoop to Nuts, where John Aston's buddy finally reveals to Harry that he's his real biological father, not his stepfather. <laughs> Uh, well, we're he- we're getting closer to what we're talking about with the Thursday night NBC sitcoms. Yeah. Oh wait, wait, wait! This is Cheers cast, so of course we're talking about Cheers. Uh, yeah. I I get all mixed up with these long lost fathers coming back and doing some weird stuff with their sons. I mean, but I'm feeling much better now. <laughs> As Buddy Ryan was wont to say, I think they did that a bit with Harry a couple of times with his father. Like I want to say, like there were two or three like dramatic secret father revelations with that yeah well i mean originally it was buddy showing up and oh yeah i i was married to your mother in the nut house yeah <laughs> stuff like that yeah yeah he, they, that was something they came back to quite a bit yeah uh and the, folks the reason we're doing this bit is because the long lost father is central to cheers season four episode 10 the bar stoolie this episode is written by andy cowan and david s williger Directed by James Burroughs, the original air date was Thursday, December 5th, 1985. Claudia, the most recent woman in Sam's life, comes to Cheers before their date, but ends up hitting it off with Diane. After connecting over mutual interests in art and culture, Claudia insists that Diane join her and Sam on their date. Sam tries to torpedo this idea by making sure his dinner reservation only sits two at the table, but when they arrive, the ladies force him to be the odd one to sit alone. Back at the bar after dinner, Sam tries everything to get Claudia back to his place alone. After talking with Diane all night, however, Claudia's feelings for Sam have soured and she dumps him. Sam believes that Diane deliberately sabotaged his evening because she's still hung up and doesn't want him dating other people. Meanwhile, Cliff's estranged father, who walked out on his family when Cliffy was nine, comes to the bar looking for him. Cliff is initially closed off, wanting nothing to do with his father, but quickly succumbs to the man's charms. 
Cliff and Cliff Sr. spend most of the night partying together and reuniting. At last, Cliff Sr. asks his son to move to Australia with him. When Cliff balks at the idea, his father confesses that he's wanted for real estate fraud and he's fleeing the country to avoid the federal authorities. Cliff tells his father he needs time to think about it, but Cliff Sr. sneaks out of the bar without him. A depressed Cliff, twice now abandoned by his dirtbag father, is comforted by Norm and, inexplicably it seems, Carla. Alrighty, Gene, what did you think about this episode? (laughs) The the familiarity and the tropes of the plot notwithstanding, what did you think of this one? This was an interesting one. Um, It's one of the few so far to actually highlight Cliff. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the interesting interaction with his father, where initially the father comes in and Cliff, uh, I don't want anything to do with him. I'm going to hide over here. And then, you know, he finally tries to confront him and his father just gives him the, you know, what's this on your shirt? Whack with the nose. And then it's a wonderful reunion. (laughs) That's that's a really quick turnaround there, Cliff. (laughs) Didn't take much, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that's an interesting storyline. Then you get to the whole reason why he's making amends and has to leave the country really, really fast because he's committed a huge amount of real estate fraud. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) What a family. Jeez. Right, right. Uh, the Sam and Diane plot. Now, I'm I'm pretty sure that's the A plot of this, but it's kind of difficult to tell sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's it's sort of. I, I I think there's definitely much more time and in terms of sitcom real estate, in terms of how many how many minutes. I definitely think the Sam and Diane plot takes up more time, but it's also resolved a lot faster. And usually, I would say that the A plot would be the one that kind of ends the episode but this one it's it's pretty tough to to compare to to decide which one is the lead and which one is the backup right and it's interesting with with the sam and diane one because obviously sam is trying to as diane says date a clone of her Mm -hmm. to the point where they really hit it off but what i really like about it is diane is doing her best not to sabotage the date (laughs) she's very friendly with the lady but then when, oh, well, Diane, why don't you come with her? And she leans to Sam, get me out of this. Right, right, right. So she's doing everything possible not to sabotage it, but ends up sabotaging it anyway just by being there. Right. So, right. but it's, it has a happy ending because they go up for some of the best cheesecake in Boston. There you go. There you go. Melva's known for that. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of funny by the end of it. It's, it's like how much, how much do they, do they know? I mean. Did Diane maybe say something like it was just her presence? Was there any even subconscious effort on her part to to ruin this relationship or do something to sabotage it? I don't know that there's anything that we see, but at this and at the same time, Sam is dating a woman who is not like his usual fare, other than Diane. Diane actually makes the the point. Oh, she's reading an art forum magazine, and it's right side up. (laughs) But apparently, she has been out with Sam a number of times. Yeah, yeah, and (sighs) my read on Claudia is. I don't know. I, I, so I think one of the first things that you said was when I asked you what you thought, you you said interesting. And I think that was kind of my feeling because I don't think this was one of the funnier episodes. Um, not at all. 
Um, and I actually, I had a hard time coming up with my, um, home run because nothing really stood out and like leapt to mind as something that I like was like really, I was like, oh, that was really funny or that was a really impressive thing. But there were just a few elements of it that I found interesting. And one of them is this Claudia character. And I don't know if it was intentional or not, or if it was like as a 2021 viewer reading into something that was not intended in 1985, or maybe it was, but they had to use subtext. I don't know if I got a lesbian or perhaps bisexual vibe from her, but I kind of thought, I was like, you know what, I think she would have left with Diane before she left with Sam. That I I was getting the same basic read as well, especially when they're in the bar and Claudia and Diane are sitting at the table and they're laughing in French mm-hmm. about something. There are two women at the bar that are looking at them like, what the hell's going on over there? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're just in the background, no lines or anything, but they're giving them this look. Hmm, I wonder what they're up to kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, yeah, I was getting the exact same thing, and it, it was there... it was almost like Claudia was pushing Sam aside. He's just the excuse. Yeah, yeah. To get them out together. Right. And... I mean, like, there was, like, even certain, like, you know, body language thing, like, when Diane first starts talking to her, Claudia is kind of, like, playing with her necklace a little bit. Um, there was a moment, like, I, I, I caught it, I, like, I noticed when Diane, when she is first, when they're first talking or something, Diane walks back to the bar, and Claudia follows her, like, looks at it, and, like, where her eyeline would go would be looking at Diane's rear, and it could just be, like, a natural, like, line of sight type of thing, because Claudia's sitting down, but it's sort of could also be she was checking her out and but like the other thing is like she doesn't she doesn't seem cold or overtly hostile towards sam Mm. she doesn't seem necessarily receptive to a lot of his obvious sexual come-ons and and like (laughs) the innuendo that he drips with but she seems like she's friendly with him like she like you know is like when he's getting you know dressed and everything and you know she's smiling at him she says she loves to watch him work and then you know he's like well i got mirrors back in my room like we make we watch each other or something like that um so she seems like she she's into him but the more she he kind of like pushes it and her turn at the end is just very cold and i don't know i i just kind of i was like I, I like was was she hoping that all three of them would go back together? Did she ju- did she like get there and decide you know what I would rather be with Diane? Um, I I don't know I I couldn't tell you and and in 1985 I don't think they would have addressed it. No, but, no. And no, so but... yeah, so so I don't and because of that I don't know if they intended it subtly or not. Right, but, but like like you said, you know we're many many years down the road mm-hmm. we know more about these kind of things, but it, it almost seemed cause Claudia seemed like she was putting up with Sam to the point where the one line at the, towards the end was, you know, I, when you were hitting on me and all this, uh, initially, and I thought it was over the top and boy, I really wish for those bygone days now. And it's like, it sounds like she has just been dealing with him. Like yeah. there was some reason for her. And it's, I think it could be that she, uh, obviously it's the first time seeing Diane because yeah. 
Diane mentions, oh, you know, who is this? And she can actually read right side up. But I think it's possible that Sam mentioned Diane Mm -hmm. at some point and that maybe Claudia was, I don't want to use the term stringing him along, but I mean, maybe, I mean, she could be. uh, And like you said, it could, it could have been, oh, I, you know, this one is for me intellectually and this one is for me physically and maybe it's just when that evaporated, when Diane was completely out of it, then she just said, well, the hell with you, and I'm I'm leaving. Right. And we could also be reading way too much into this. Yeah, yeah. If, I don't know, if we're not reading too much into that, like, I mean, if that, if that wasn't the intention, then I just think she's kind of a weird character that they didn't mm. really... I don't know because like just like the way how quickly she turns on him and like the reason that she leaves and everything is like why did she date him several times before this what was it about like just like the the Diane catalyst that pushed her to the point where she's like no I don't want anything to do with you Sam like I just yeah I I found that bit a a little bit interesting yeah Um, yeah this is this is what I would I would call a mythology episode really hmm. it's not super funny it has its moments but it's not super funny yeah. it lays the groundwork of sam is trying to date someone like diane it lay, you know gives you more backstory on cliff right. but it's not this isn't one that people go to as one of their best ofs right, right. yeah it more, more than anything like by the end of it this just sort of sets up the fact that they're not dating they're broken up but they're still in each other's lives and that chemistry is still there but for some other circumstance, they could get back together. It's sort of the thing, yeah. The other interesting thing that I wanted to talk about is, is Carla, but we'll save that till we actually get in into the end of the episode. So right. going through kind of the other bits, um, the teaser. Well, we start off with um, Woody. Oh, I love this. He's got an old <laughs> cassette, cassette tape recorder, and he is sending an audio message to his folks back in Indiana. Um, and he he wants to record he wants recorded messages from everyone in the bar, and he asks Norm for something. And the joke is, "Hang on, I, I got to get to the end of Miss Chambers' message." And he plays, and we hear Diane saying something to Woody's parents. And then he fast forwards for a couple of seconds, and then Diane is still talking. And he fast forwards for a couple of seconds; she's still talking. He fast forwards a couple of seconds; she's like, "Now, let me tell you a little bit about myself." And <laughs> and Woody's like, "I'm sorry, Mister Peterson, we're going to be here for a while." And he fast forwards, and and that's when they kind of like cut to, or, or Norm is like, all right, you better give me a, you better give me a refill or something. We're going to be here for a while. Um, so then that leads us to the credits, and then Act One begins. Just a, it would be a few minutes later, and it kind of it struck me as something where they almost could have made this the same, like the beginning of Act One, as part of the teaser. But I think they just wanted to draw out the like the length of Diane's message a little bit later, right? Um, because then the joke picks up with when they finally get to the end of Diane's message, uh, Norm is like, hi, folks, this is Norm. And then the tape stops because it's all run out. <laughs> Diane used up everything. And he's like, I'm sorry, you didn't get to leave your message. And Norm was like, that was the whole message. <laughs> <laughs> and that bit right there was almost my home run for those episodes. Mm. So what did you think of that? Like that whole little that, bit in the teaser? Yeah, that uh, that's playing in on the, the same thing. You know, Diane can go on and on. You, you get her talking and you're done. <laughs> She'll just keep going until you tell her to stop. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it, it, I like how they split it up because then you can picture, yes, the, during the credits, they're still <laughs> trying to fast forward. Yep. Yeah. 
And I do, I, 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 I yeah, because I, I think the big button was like, it's after he's been recording for a few minutes, and it's like, now let me tell you a little bit about myself. It's like, oh my yeah. God, woman, what is wrong with you? <laughs> she can't help it. She can't help she it. She just cannot help it. What he really didn't, that was basically all he had to do in this episode. When Cliff's father comes in, and, you know, Cliff has said, hey, make, you, you don't know me, you haven't seen me, etc. Goes up to Woody and says, hey, do you know Cliff Clavin? I, uh, and he just walks up. <laughs> yeah, he, he turns to the same thing, Sam, I'm no good under pressure. <laughs> Which is the right thing to say in front of the person that you're trying to lie to. It's good. Yeah. Right, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so picking up then, you know, Sam at first is initially excited that he's, uh, been seeing this woman for a while, not getting very far, but he thinks this is the night he's going to score. Um, I love, Diane says, who is the bimbo du jour? <laughs> I love her little turn of phrase. And when she says that, Norm and Cliff kind of stand up and do this, like, motion, and... I, uh, they do walk like an Egyptian. That's what, that's her. sort of what it looked like, walk like an Egyptian. But I wasn't sure if they were supposed to be imitating like hunting dogs or something like that. I don't. I have no idea. Like it was the it was, it was so the walk weird. like an Egyptian pose. But I was like, that doesn't make sense. Like I think it was supposed to be like straight nose, straight tail, like a hunting dog type of thing. Like that they both zeroed in on the woman. It, it, it was strange. I don't know if the, they worked it out ahead of time. The actors says, "Hell, we're going to do this." But it's just my my brain immediately went to the Bengals, so that's just how how it works. You know, oh, they're pointing like Egyptian hieroglyphics. This is yeah. <laughs> yeah. what is going on in this episode. It was a weird kind of choreography, but um, yeah. But then, yeah, Sam goes. Uh, she's going to enjoy all the rides on Sammy's Magic Kingdom, and Diane continues the Disney metaphor. She says, "In for a Mickey Mouse evening with Goofy as her guide." That got a laugh out of me. Definitely. Yeah. Um, oh, there, there was another Woody bit because um, Woody tells Sam that he can't read women like Sam does, and Carla says, "You know, women, different women give off different types of subtle signs. For instance, she likes to stand there naked with a rose in her teeth. Which, <laughs> yeah, very subtle, Carla. Yeah. Um, and Woody's response is, "I'll have to watch for that one." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, "If I ever see that, that means she likes me. Yeah, she's into me. Yeah. Okay." <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so Cliffy gets this phone call, and they're like, hey, who wants to talk to Cliff on, on purpose? And and then he, like, picks up the phone and, like, gets like finds out who it is, and he's like, I never want to hear from you again, slams on the phone. Um, he says that was the man who, you know, calls himself my father. And Sam even mentions something like, you're still carrying a grudge? Like, Sam at least is part, knows part of the story or part of the background or something? And then we find out that, yeah, this guy left Cliff and his mom when he was nine years old. Um, and then when Cliff Sr. actually comes in, he as much as admits that he doesn't know what his son looks like, doesn't even know what he does for a living. So, therefore, when you have Cliff dressed in his male uniform, he can sit right down, he can sit down right next to the guy and not expose himself. And they, they did have an interesting bit because Cliff comes over and says, I've got something to say. Pass the sports page. Yeah. <laughs> and and then both father and son do the same flick at the same time yeah, with the yeah, paper. Yeah. So obviously he did that a lot in the first nine years of Cliff's life. Yeah. I love, Cliff had another good bit. Man, I, I'm rethinking. I didn't give Cliff my uh, – my, um, 
employee of the week, but I'm rethinking maybe I should have because uh, it was a Cliff centric episode. But I love the bit when um, you know he's he's pissed off about his dad, but this is before Cliff Senior comes, he pissed off and he kind of walks off towards the the um, the uh, pool room, and Norm kind of goes after him to comfort him or something. When they come back, Cliff is going on and on about how the ancient Phoenicians invented billiards, but it didn't take on new popularity until an order of Benedictine monks invented felt. <laughs> <laughs> and that all comes around at the end mm-hmm. and yeah. how they they get cliff cheered back up yeah exactly. and that you know we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that right um they do mention cliff kind of, or that normally kind of mentions that there is a window in the bathroom and that comes back mm-hmm. later on too when uh cliff cliff senior makes his escape and i'm like i'm trying to like picture the the, the geography of the bar and i'm like uh, you know, I don't know about that. Maybe, maybe it kind of depends on the layout of the pool room and the, Sam's office. And a window in the bathroom. I don't know. Maybe it's it, it opens on the the same same area that the window in the pool room does. I think it would have to. Yeah. 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 Probably like an alley running behind the building. Right. Right. I don't know. You were there. I wasn't. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> Different setup, but yeah. And allegedly there is a back door that even Sam doesn't know about, but Harry the Hat knows. Yes. <laughs> so. um, during the, the credits, like when uh, Sam and Diane and Claudia go off to their dinner and Cliff leaves with his father, Norm leaves the bar to go to the Hungry Heifer. And then comes yeah. Which I like that because that means whether he was working or not, Norm spent his afternoon at Cheers drinking then went to a restaurant for dinner, and then came back to Cheers again. Well, as we know, <laughs> people realize that Norm can be found at Cheers. Mm, yeah. <laughs> From a couple episodes ago when his neighbor came. Uh, yes, I, I kind of figured that Norm would be here. Yeah. <laughs> she just walks right in. Well, yes. yeah, of course. She knows where to find Yeah, but I, I, like, I like the special that Norm had. He, the, the chef... Chef's ribs special. And, chef's ribs. You know, oh, that sounds great, Mister Mister Pierce. Yeah, I, I thought so too. And then all Chef did was come out and make fun of my tie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the ribbing, the ribbing. Mm. Yeah. Obviously, um, employed Don Rickles is employed there. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, a few other lines I liked um, when when uh, Sam accuses Diane of sabotaging his date. She says, your hormones have staged a coup d'etat on your brain. And he's like, waves it away. He's like, don't distract me with hormone talk. (laughs) (laughs) He actually kind of lays on the guilt. He's like, fine. When he's like, I'll go up and eat a cheesecake. He's like, I'm getting used to eating alone. And she she actually feels genuine remorse. Like, yeah, she really kind of screwed up his date with this woman and and he t- he talks her into it, you know, you know, unless you know you want to enjoy some cheesecake with me, and s- eventually she gets she starts negotiating like cheesecake and coffee, yeah, okay, <laughs> and a refill. Don't push it. <laughs> Don't push it. Yeah. <laughs> um, when uh, when the two Cliffs come back, um, Cliff Senior mentions that you know Cliffy got a haircut, and tomorrow they'll go back and get them all cut. Which is about the lamest dad joke ever, but since it's mm-hmm. coming from an actual dad, it's sort of like okay. And uh, we all know the Clavin sense of humor to begin with. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, and then the, there's the big dramatic reveal when Cliff Senior pulls him aside. He's like, "Lunch? Is like we're having so much fun. He's like, we can't do anything tomorrow, but I gotta leave the country. Why don't you come to Australia with me?" And he's like, "Wait, wait, I can't just move there." And he pulls him down into the hallway, and he's like. 
I gotta leave. I'm one. I'm a fugitive from the authorities for real estate fraud. He's like there. Cliff tries to. He's like, why don't you just confess? You know, you'll you get a light slap on the wrist. Cliff even says like maybe ten years. He's like, and I I love Cliffy's uh, or Cliff Senior's like line. He's like, this is we're talking about heavy cake here. Like he actually knows all these like like lines and euphemisms or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is obviously not his first rodeo. <laughs> right. Right. Um. So once once he's like you know Cliff is like how do you know I won't won't call and turn you in and he's like you would never do that to your father and he goes to the bathroom and Cliff goes right to the phone he's like give me the <laughs> he's like I don't know someone in charge of rotten daddies he starts crying <laughs> and and then this is the the really interesting part of the episode where Carla tries to cheer up Cliff yeah she's like it's, she's she's giving him a pep talk. It's really, really strange. Yeah, she's like, we we know why you, she's like, you can't turn him in because he's your dad. You love him. We all understand that. Um, and then yeah, like Norm like bucks him up too, and Cliffy goes to to see his dad in the bathroom, and Norm was like, I can't believe you were actually nice to him, and she reaches down his pants to do something that makes yes. George went look like he has a stroke, like for about <laughs> twenty seconds on camera, and she says, what you are experiencing is a half Melvin. She's like, if you ever speak of this again, I will give you the full Melvin. And he's like, we understand. We understand. <laughs> Love that bit, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, Cliff comes out dejected. He's holding like that, his daddy's hat, and he's like, yeah, he left. He snuck out the window, and he's depressed. He starts to leave. And again, Carla comes out. She's like, well, maybe he didn't abandon you. She throws out like this, one of Cliff's weird, you know, you know, did you did you know it's a little known fact, like trivia absurdity things, where she's like, more and more people have been going into men's rooms and vaporizing, <laughs> um, and and Norm was like, yeah, it's, it's like the Bermuda Triangle, and he corrects them with, it's a what is he called a trapezoidal rhomboid or something like that, it's, uh, something like that, yes, <laughs> which I love, like even though like the the lexicon or whatever he is adding there, I love that fact because. In a later episode, season 10, maybe, or something like that, there's an episode with Cliff's mother when she's at the bar and she's talking to somebody. And it's one of those, like, cut things where you, you just come into, like, in the middle of their conversation. And she's telling somebody, so the entire region should better be known as the Bermuda Rhombus. And I was like, <laughs> oh my god, she's just like her clever. Cliff takes off of her. So. His father does say she's the one that is, has the gift of gab in their family. Yeah, he's like... What does he say? He's like she sounds. She's like a hyena on Benny's. It's like, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> but yeah, it's mm-hmm. the, that little known fact at the end yeah. is what gets Cliff turned around, and that's where the episode ends. Yeah. It's you know Cliff regaling them in you know, about how more people have been seen being drawn up into the belly of UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, he's back to normal. Right. So this is the second interesting thing that I wanted to bring up: is why do you think Carla does this? As as much as she may protest and everything, she actually does like having Cliff around, whether it's to constantly berate him mm-hmm. or to make her, you know, make herself feel better or whatever. She actually does care about Cliff. Right. And that's what's shown here. It's like, you know, it, one of those things where like you have your group of friends and you you josh back and forth with your group of friends and sometimes you really lay into them and whatnot but an outsider comes in it's like no 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 these are my friends 
right. you, you stay away from them. Right. And you then you all come together. So I think that's what happened is she sees Cliff may never come back from this mm-hmm. unless they do something and she's not going to rely on Norm to do it. She takes the lead with it. Right. And I, I was I was talking to somebody else about Carla and I think if anything because somebody was somebody was pointing out like how really kind of nasty she can be and how hostile and venomous and I mean if all of her dialogue is this you know sarcastic acidic jabs at people like why do you like her like what like doesn't she, doesn't that get old wouldn't she be a bad character and I think it's because more than anything she is kind of the the fool in the literary sense of like a, a court jester type of fool. Right, she's the one that can speak the truth to the king. Right, and it's because she is so low on the socioeconomic status. I mean, she is living in poverty with now six children to her name and no man to support her. She's She is so far beneath everybody else at the bar that she can make fun of them. She can speak the truth and and throw that shade at... The Sams and the Dianes and the Frasers and the customers. She can be really nasty mm-hmm. to the customers because yeah. it's like, well, look at her life, <laughs> and then she kind of points that out a few times. Yeah, and I and, think- and like you point out before, in the first season, she was a lot nastier, mm-hmm. and they rein that back in, so she can be a uh, acerbic in her wits, but she doesn't go down to completely mean and degrading right. that often. Right. And I think in this case, she sees that Cliff is v- the victim not of his own buffoonishness. It's not Cliff's own weird, you know, eccentricities, you know, when he says, hey, she's, uh, this girl's looking for a little COD, Cliffy on demand, or something like that. Or, <laughs> or you know, like his, his own anger, like, anxieties, his own superstition, like his, all the stuff that makes Cliff a jackass mm-hmm. has nothing to do with what happens to him in this episode. He is just the victim of having a crappy father um, that, that he can't help but loves. So I think in that case, she's like, she she's not calling out him for being the jackass this time. She's like, no, we, we got to help him because she does care about that and she's going to defend him because he's one of her people. And I also think Carla... She understands what it's like to have a blind spot for somebody who will never treat you with the respect you deserve. You could say that, yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Nick. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> like, how many times has she gone back to him? And and yeah, she, or, or would she? Yeah. So she she kind of knows where she's coming from. So I found that little revelation, sort of like thinking, like, wow, where is this coming from that she would be this nice to Cliff like twice? And it's like. Yeah, it's like there. There's reasons, and it, it reveals more about Carla, and I really, really like that. Yeah, it's it, like I said, this isn't a super hilarious episode, but it does build on stuff. It yeah. it gives you more of an insight into multiple characters. So mm-hmm. it's it's a worthy watch, but like I said, it's not a best of. Right. Right. Um, I forgot to mention these at the, earlier on, but uh, the two guest stars in this episode, Cliff Clavin Sr. is played by Dick O'Neill. He had hundreds of movie and TV credits in pretty much everything. Uh, mm-hmm. He was including the movies The Jerk, Wolfen, The Mosquito Coast, Pritzi's Honor. Um, he had three appearances in MASH, where he played three different characters, I think, um, as well as Trapper John M.D., 
Um, and then Claudia was played by Claudia Kron. Um, she's got about 20 TV credits, which include Magnum P.I., Hill Street Blues, L.A. Law, Simon & Simon, that type of stuff. Um, did you recognize either of them from other stuff? I, I definitely recognize Dick O'Neill. He, he's one of those guys. He walked in like, ah, him. <laughs> he is exactly. he's a consummate that guy, especially in... 80s television. Yeah. He was yeah. on everything. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Just, yeah, he, he, he definitely got a lot of work for not being a recurring or, or major character. Yeah. He was, he was, yeah, he was that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Claudia, no, I did not recognize her. Uh, I'm pro, I know I've seen her just because I've watched a huge amount of Hill Street Blues. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but yeah, she, she is, she is a, a background player and she really, you know, didn't, do much yeah. <laughs> beyond, yeah. beyond the, the early 90s. So, For a bit of trivia, it's a little-known fact. The end of this episode, when we see when Cliff is walking away, when he's walking across the bar and they're calling back to him, when it does the reverse angle shot on Cliff, and you see it's like sort of Cliff and like the, the front side of the bar, the way it's shot, you can see a, like the end of the set and the curtain that's like signals the sound stage like beyond it like they really like Jim Burroughs when, when he was filming that like he probably should have moved the camera position a little bit um, because you see a lot of what's off of the stage yeah that that was a, a bit of an oops there it's I don't I'm surprised they didn't have like fixed camera positions for stuff like that you would think. I mean, every once in a while, they got up and he he would move the camera around to do the to do more interesting shots. So maybe that was I don't know. I couldn't tell. You. They ju- it, they probably they probably did it. It was such a great take that they said, uh, yeah. "Can't really do much. We we don't want to redo it right. with a new setup." So they just left it in. It's not it's not super distracting, like you said. It's the very end of the episode, so oh, fade to black. Fine, we're done. Right. Um, for Norm's tab, I gave him three beers for this episode. There's the one he's drinking, the teaser, and then when he asks for the refill, I counted that as the same beer he's drinking in Act 1 when they come back, because it's like a continuous right. scene, and then he gets a new one when he comes back from the Hungry Heifer. Um, so those three bring him up to 320 for the series up to this point. Um, who was your employee of the week? Uh, it It was between... Diane and Carla, because they both did a lot of varied emotions, but I had to give it to Diane just because Shelley Long does everything. She <laughs> is she is uh, snide. She is happy. She is nervous about the date. She is angry. She she gets everything in there and it's just wonderful to watch her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I give it to Carla. For like for her turn at the end, um, yeah, Diane was always great. Sam was good. Uh, I could have given it to Cliff too. Mm-hmm. Um, even Cliff Senior was guy was a, an interesting fun to watch for his for his guest spot. Um, but ultimately, just because of how sweet and endearing I found the last two minutes of the episode, I gave it to Carla. So yeah, that makes sense. Like I said, I, I was between the two of them. Is just Shelley Long just did a little more for me, right? Um, for the home run, for the best gag or something, I, I, I will probably give it to Norm or to Carla giving Norm the half Melvin just for the physical I, beat. Although I am right there with you. Okay. The, the the combination of those two, yeah. of George Wentz reaction <laughs> and Rhea Perlman's delivery is that is definitely the best line of the episode. Yeah. 
<laughs> now say you understand. <laughs> um, my runner-up for that would be like just um, the bit with the with the tape recorder at the beginning when it comes back and he's like, "I'm sorry, Mr. Peterson, you didn't get to give your whole message." He's like that was the whole message. <laughs> yeah, my 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 runner-up was the uh, the Mickey Mouse evening line. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, with goofy where do I live? God, yeah. <laughs> that was good. Um, yeah, I mean, so, I mean, we, we've had a lot of fun discussion. So, in an episode that I, that I didn't think was really funny and didn't have a lot of, I think a mythology episode is, is a good one. Like, if this wouldn't be, like, uh, the essential volume of Cheers to watch, it's just more for fleshing out the season, but there's still a lot of great humor, a lot of great character beats, some revealing moments, um, and I don't think Cheers ever did a bad episode, so it's still worth yeah. a watch. Yeah, I, I wouldn't skip it at all. Yeah. yeah, it's if you're if you're watching through, definitely hit on this one. Yeah. All right, Gene, thank you very much for joining me. Where else can people find you if they want to hear more from you in the podcastosphere? Well, I'm doing a whole mess of guest spots since there's a Loki television series that just happened. <laughs> uh, but the main thing you can find me doing right now is more voice acting stuff, uh, also direction and writing. So if you look up 8TW on Two True Freaks, I've been doing a bunch of things over there. The main one that uh, I'm, I'm super proud of is I was the showrunner for our adaption of Ron Randall's Trekker. So that that's still out there. Please give it a listen if you haven't yet. Very cool. Very cool. All right, thank you, Gene, one more time for joining me on this episode. And thanks to all of you out there who listen to Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on Facebook, favoriting and retweeting on Twitter, and leaving a comment on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Ashford Wright from the Right On Podcast Network and Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents and Monday Movie Muckabout, who sponsor this show. For more information on how you can support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network, visit patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and until next time, we're closed. Claudia's been a tough nut to crack, but tonight's the night. She's going to be enjoying all the rides in Sammy's Magic Kingdom. She's in for a Mickey Mouse evening with Goofy as her guide.